I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Michael Morgan, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wokecast. As usual, my Cody, as sleepy as me, is G, joining the podcast. Oh my God, I am so exhausted, but happy to talk about MMA on this card with you, Mike. Let's go. What a sick card. UFC 263. But you know something? Just a quick answer mm -hmm. through the things that we kind of like um, missed in the week in terms of coverage. And that is, we had Brendan Lofnane securing his uh, second yes. in PFL. He looked incredible out there. I mean, imagine this. Imagine this was the guy that Dana said that wasn't exciting, that wasn't actually beguiling, that wasn't actually UFC worthy. He is really sticking it to Dana. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Like we're all talking about him, you know, and we're not really talking about like how Dana didn't pick him anymore. We're actually talking about him as a fighter and how good yeah. he is. Like we're actually acknowledging the fact that, yes, like Dana didn't pick him, but man, this kid's really good. He's um, entertaining and he just seems to be a standout guy. I'm really happy to see him at PFL. But Mike, pump mm. the brakes. Mm. His opponent, Diamond, needs a shout out as well. Man, he threw the, his mullet at him, the kitchen sink, <laughs> um, the, the chain wrestling, the scrambling, the, the, the punches he was, he just would not stop. So nice. dude with the mullet needs his shout out too. And I love that Brandon was able to prevail and showed how he can handle adversity, you know? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And and moving swiftly on to Bellator 260. Now, there were a couple of Brits on the card. Obviously, we had the big title fight and the big upset at the, at the top of the card. But for me, I was really, really intrigued and quite interested in, obviously, our man Paul Daly, who went up against Jason Jackson. Now, this was Jamaican on Jamaican violence for me. <laughs> this, was, this was this was. Uh, Paul Daly of Jamaican heritage and Jason Jackson actually coming from, you know, the fatherland, as it were. And um, right, right. I think he did what he knew he had to do. And that was nullify any uh, ambitions of Paul Daly to actually make this a stand up war and just kind of like grind out uh, a really horrible looking decision. For me, this looked horrible. For me, this looked boring. And um, I don't want to sound disrespectful, but this was the game that Jason Jackson had to play in terms of securing that win. Yeah, Mike, I might need you to reel me in on Bellator. I'm so glad like you brought up Bellator and you specifically brought up this matchup. Mm. What is Bellator doing giving Paul Daly, someone past his prime but has electricity in his hands, giving him an up-and-comer like Jason Jackson that we all know is going to wrestle and grind him out? Like, why would you do that to a potential star that you have that is getting a little older? Like, I do not understand Bellator matchmaking at times. Like, Paul didn't like this wasn't a matchup to make. You're on Showtime. I could go on and on, Mike. Do you feel like where I'm going with this? I, I don't get this matchup. 
Well, you know, you've got a point, but when you look at records, and I know records are for DJs, you know, Paul is battle-tested. Paul has had some formidable opponents. Right. And Paul brings something different to the game in terms of he is a vicious, notorious knockout striker. So when you compare that against who he was up against, Jason Jackson, you would think that this would be a walk in the park. You know what? No. Run up to this. Um, I was thinking, and I was thinking back to the old days when Bellator first signed Paul Daly, but allowed him to fight on other promotions like Cage Warriors and um, Bama. And oh, yeah. In advance, in advance, they would vet who he would actually be clashing, who he would be fighting, who he would be up against. And this was the type of a prominent which would be handpicked for him. Somebody who obviously had um, a reasonable record on paper, looked okay. Somebody who, you know, had a few wins, but wasn't actually going to pose a major problem. So I wasn't shocked in the matchmaking. It was very, very similar, as I say, to the matchmaking of old. What I was shocked right. about was... You know, again, this was Paul Daly making things look difficult. This was Paul Daly being kind of like dragged over the coals uh, on his back. And yes, I I hated to see it. What I was interested in, though, what I was interested in was the back and forth between him and um, Michael Venom Page at the end, where, you know, he was saying that there is somebody else up in the booth who, um, Mm. that he basically is questioning. And, you know, I suppose, and to his credit, MVP answered and answered really, really swiftly, you know, if Paul Daly is going to say he's the king of the 175ers and to put in a performance like that, that's not really anything to really, um, I suppose, clinch any type of interest from either fans or from, I suppose, MVP as a potential opponent. So I could see exactly what was transpiring there. I could see exactly what was going on there. And um, I think that's MVP at a point. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm lost, Mike. Like, if he wants to fight with MVP or if he wants to make some type of statement so he can vie or have the leverage to, want, you know, to get a certain fight, why fight Jason Jackson? Like, you know, I just did not care for this matchup at all. I don't think it was a fight where Paul could have flourished. And I'm not surprised that Jason Jackson drowned him. That is the game plan to beat Paul Daly. I just... Yeah. I just, it's not something I wanted to see in this point of his career, especially when he wants that fight with MVP. Just wasn't a good move. No, 100%. But you know what was a good move? Do you remember we discussed this way back, Aaron Pico, and that he was being rushed, he was being kind of like railroaded Mm -hmm. in terms of like opponents. And they kind of like got him the kind of opponent which he needs to be fighting. Now, exactly, Aiden Lee is a scrub because he's not. And I think a lot of people in the UK have slept on Aiden Lee, the UK's own Aiden Lee, who hails from Renegade Gym, mm-hmm. same um, gym where Tom Brees is from, where um, oh. Edwards is from, and where Fabian Edwards is from. Now, this, I have to say, was foretold from what we saw in what happened to um, Fabian Edwards of late. And that was... He was drowned in the submission wrestling. He was drowned in the (laughs) round game of Aaron Pico, who was wicked on the feet, lighting him up. But not only that, I mean, when it got to the ground, 
He was putting on a masterclass. Aaron Pico, I think, has got into his stride now. I think he's got good management and his management have actually spoken to Bellator to say, look, we want our guy to be given the slow and low um, come on treatment. Yeah. And he was given that, I think, in Aiden Lee. And like he keeps saying, I have to keep underlining that Aiden Lee is a credible opponent. But this Absolutely. type of opponent that Aaron Pico needs to be facing, what do you think? I think Aiden Lee, like you said, is a formidable opponent for him, but it's the person he should be fighting at this time. Mm. I think it's perfect. And I think Bellator is doing a beautiful job of working with his management as far as giving him the fights that he needs and developing him. And I love it. And you can see the development in your very eyes. He was knocking people out cold. And now look at him going for these like complicated submissions and pulling it off like that is called progress and he's developing nicely with his management and with bellator like you said mike it's it's nice to see you know yeah. they're doing something right with him and you can see the results and i really like it and it, it gets like fans into him like the more we talk about him the more he tries to go for these submissions the more we're going to get into him and he's going to be a bigger name too mm-hmm. speaking Love of bigger it. names you know, mm-hmm. Yaroslav uh, Amosov and um, Douglas D- Lima. Uh, <sighs> and um, for me, this guy isn't a big name. For me, this is somebody who was stuck under the radar. And for me, I underestimated um, his unbeaten record going into this because there's a reason why he's unbeaten, which he showed Douglas Lima in terms of levels. Now, okay, he got the unanimous decision, but um, I did not see that coming. I thought that this would be a masterclass from Douglas Lima. I thought this would be a one-sided shutout. Because for me, as welterweights go and as welterweights on the planet go, Douglas Lima is of a different cloth. He's cut of a different set of uh, criteria when it comes to making a human being. So I was shocked by this outcome. How about you? Um, I was shocked by the outcome but I was also shocked again with Bellator matchmaking (laughs) here. Hear me out on this, Mike. I don't mean to be Debbie Downer and and shitting on Bellator this episode, but Douglas Lima is their potential. Like he's their star, right? Like he, you know, he went up a weight class. He got shot back down. He had a loss. It's okay. But why aren't they capitalizing on the fact that he has a name? Fans know him. Why would you give him somebody that's undefeated, from Europe and just as like has everything, all the tools to kind of take Douglas Lima out. Like they didn't see this coming. So now you have a new champion. Of course he's talented, but he doesn't have the name and you just kind of shit it on your, the name, the entertainer and the person that like you should have valued and maybe not given him this matchup, which is Douglas Lima. I was just so confused by this. Like what's better Douglas to be champ or this, mm-hmm. or Yoselov? You're right, but then I have to take you back to our conversations about Bellator being the the home of hand-picked opponents. This goes against that narrative. Who else would Douglas Lima be fighting? This guy, and I I went and I studied this guy in terms of who he's fought before. He Mm -hmm. has steadily, in terms of work rate, worked his way and... He would not be denied and he should not be denied. And that was why his title shot. But if this next opponent um, who has been vying for a title shot um, does get his wish and that is MVP. I I really do fear that um, Amosov is going to make real quick work of MVP because 
he looked formidable in there. And I put Douglas Lima up there on a, on a pedestal. And for him to do what he did to Douglas Lima, I really do fear for MVP if this is the next route into, um, well, I suppose his next title shot. Yeah, I'm going to call it now. I think this Ukrainian fighter that just showed up out of nowhere <laughs> is going to be a problem in this division and also for MVP. Oh, 100%. Like, hands down, yeah. Mm-hmm. Moving swiftly along, UFC 2663 is now mm. in the rear view mirror. I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed this from start to finish. It's rare, and you know this, it's rare that I will sit through an entire card given that, you know, the, the, the last thing that I want to do as a Brit is to be seeing daylight coming up. And I've spent, what, <sighs> around six, seven, eight hours, actually, from early prelims to main card, um, steadily my, glued to my screen. But to be Question, honest, my question, I don't mean to cut you off, but, like, how do you do that? Do you drink coffee? Do you meditate? Like, how do you force yourself to stay up at these odd hours to watch fights? Especially when some of them can be boring. Not this card, but how do you, how do Europeans do this? Typically, if I'm going to do an all-nighter, I will go to sleep several hours before the prelims. Mm. Start. So it'll be an early night. Or another way in which I do it is I will have like strong black coffee. Like as soon as <laughs> comes on, because I know, I know the Sandman will be um, yeah. rearing his head and telling me, you know, mate, it's time to go. But no, I made it. I made it. Good. And um, I think there were some notable runners and riders. And okay, our normal standard fare is to bring two to the table. There were some worthy um, names as uh, alongside the ones which I'm going to actually bring up. But the first one I wanted to bring to the table, I'm only picking two. It was Chase Heaper versus Stephen Peterson. And I hated this. I hated seeing it because I called this a long time ago in that Chase Hooper was on the developmental deal for the UFC. And um, it's clear that the developmental deal may be pushing him too hard and he isn't dealing with it at all well because every single time that he got an elbow to the face uh, a jab to the eye I was wincing for him and it made me feel uncomfortable you know what it reminded me of I'm not sure if you've seen the film it's called him mm-hmm. back no I haven't it's, about, it's basically about a um, grizzled fighter who actually turns up um on the MMA scene and it's a fictitious obviously promotion but he's put or he's pitted against his son now the way this kind of like transpired um th- these two go to war so you've got dad fighting uh son and this is what it reminded me of Stephen was like his son so his his father and he was giving his 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 son <laughs> a good beating a solid beating and it was horrible to see so um that's why this was notable because it made me wince and you know this decision win uh, Chase Hooper was lucky um that he was able to um well take Stephen Peterson to a decision but I, I did not like what I saw no, and I hate to be dramatic, but I woke up this morning concerned for Chase Hooper. Like the shots that Steven was landing on him were flush. And I get that fans love that he has a chin and he's tough and, and whatnot, but it looks brutal. And it looks like he's a one-trick pony. But no, he <laughs> yeah. does. I don't mean to, I don't mean to be like, you know, mean about it, but it's like he has to, yeah, I'm being real, like he has to take the fight to the ground. And if he doesn't, he gets beat up on the feet really badly. And I just don't think someone that young needs to take that much damage. 
like develop him again, put him in another mm-hmm. program, put him on the, you know, like the UFC should just maybe remove him from the prelims and put him back in a developmental plan. Like he's on the contender series and let him like beat up some folks on the, on the regional circuit and let him work on his hands. And also being a mixed martial artist, yeah. he's not really an MMA artist because all he, all he wants to do is take you down, but his, his entries into the takedowns are slow. Um, they're kind of predictable and I don't know, Mike, I'm a little worried for him, but hopefully the UFC develops him and just does does right by him because he's too young for that damage yeah but how where what i don't know because <laughs> everybody in the ufc you know is a credible killer they're there because by virtue of the fact that the ufc right. is it's, probably the world's hardest proving ground yeah. who are they gonna give him it's the major leagues right like if there's the minor leagues and the major leagues in baseball and the ufc would be considered the major league so of course like anybody they give him is a killer look at steven peterson Mm. You know, he's on the prelims just with Chase Hooper, but he put up a good fight. I just didn't like the fact that Steven was like, he didn't really respect the kid's jujitsu. Like he was on the ground kind of too much for me. Like he should have just kept standing a bit more. Yeah. And, but still he won good performance. And also Chase Hooper's performance scared the shit out of me. But (laughs) I, I don't, I don't know what the UFC does. My suggestion, like I said previously is develop him remove him from whatever you're doing right now and, and just put him on a developmental plan as if he's on the contender series. Like he needs yeah. to disappear for a little bit, maybe a year. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Who are you going with? What was, uh, what, what actually um, caught your eye? I mean, like I say, there were loads, but you know, oh. two, what was your first one? Oh, the, um, what caught my eye was the seven second crispy one, two from the <laughs> Terrence McKinney making his UFC debut. This debut was perfection. Was Until, it? We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. I did that on purpose just to yeah. lull you in there. No, no, no. <laughs> His performance was perfection because that killer instinct kicked in in seven seconds for someone that was making a UFC debut. He yeah. didn't have time for the jitters. He saw the opening. Matt Favella, I don't know what happened. He didn't see it coming. He got hit with one of the crispiest one twos I've ever seen. And the two was devastating. And Matt, like, he passed out on the feet. And then hit the ground. It was amazing. Here's what went wrong. The poor kid, baby face killer. That's what I want to call him because he looks like a child. The child jumped the cage and then jumped back down and and jumped incorrectly, hurt his knee. And now he's hobbling on one knee, reminding me of the Johnny Walker debacle when he hurt his shoulder doing the Yeah. So it's like these kids get so excited and then like they don't know what to do after they win. Now they hurt themselves. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) So... I loved his debut, but I really hope the injury doesn't, you know, stunt his development or like keep him from us seeing him again. But um, I'm open. I want to see Terrence McKinney again. I hope so too. And I really hope that, you know, he did get um, not only his obviously show and win, which, which is a given, but some little bonus there, because apparently that's the first, well, that's, that's the fastest knockout um, in the lightweight division now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm flabbergasted. That's what you do when you uh, debut seven seconds. Wow. <laughs> give the man his money, you know, give him a bonus. You're absolutely right. Mike. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. But um, speaking of amazing, um, Eric Anders and Darren Stewart, I'm not going to lie. This was not amazing. Eric Anders came in there and he knew what he needed to do. He knew what the game plan was. There was a couple of baffling things, though, when this actually um, transpired that this was happening. That wasn't the surprising thing because we knew 
what this was. This was a run back because of the mishap that happened when these two met at middleweight. The, the thing that was baffling to me was Darren Stewart came in as a light heavyweight, but he dropped down to middleweight because he wasn't having much success. And he is a very small light heavyweight. So to see him back up at light heavyweight was a little bit of a shock, a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's not much in terms of weight cutting he has to do if he stays at light heavyweight. But it's clear that he was being little brothered because for me, Eric Anders was just bullying him and just, you know, roughing him up. And there was a lot of like, you know, grinding up against the cage, a lot of being kind of like, you know, a lot of clinch work being um, undertaken here. And, and it looked ugly. And Eric Anders, yeah. yes, he knew he had to make it ugly in terms of uh, what he had to do. But um, I just wanted to see something better from Darren Stewart, considering this was his light heavyweight uh, return. And I'm really mm-hmm. hoping that he looks at this performance and says to himself, look, I'm clearly the smaller light heavyweight in this division. If I want to have any success, relative success in this division, I'm going to have to drop back down to middleweight because that's where I thought he looked his sharpest. That's where I thought Me he too. Looked- slick and that's where I thought he showed potential and growth and for him to kind of like take this retrograde step it was horrible to see and it was a horrible decision it was a horrible fight and um, the whole experience made me feel a little bit kind of um, I suppose deflated having you know the, the, the type of card and the type of action that we'd seen up until Eric Anders took on Darren Stewart. Yeah, Mike, I wasn't, I picked Eric to win because of their first fight. I was like, Eric is going to go back to the drawing board, watch footage and just capitalize off of what he was doing the first time. And that's what we saw in this fight. Like he bullied him, he put him in the clinch, he beat him up and he was doing that in the first fight. So I didn't really see Darren making those changes to beat him. Mm. And the reason why I don't think Darren made those changes is because like you, he went from middleweight to light heavyweight. What's that about? And it just seems like Darren hasn't put the pieces together yet in his UFC career. It just seems like not all the cylinders are firing for him. He hasn't, he doesn't have that momentum yet. He doesn't seem comfortable. He's jumping weight classes. One minute he's wrestling with Edmund Shabazzi and gets a really close fight. And then it's just, his career is up and down right now. And I think he just needs to get into a groove and I, hopefully he goes back and, um, you know, takes a look at this and finds that groove and finds the right weight class. Like you said, Mike, I thought he looked promising at middleweight too, but he did have some close fights up there too. It wasn't like he, you know, he was, he's somewhat inconsistent. But he looked good at middleweight is my thing. Yeah. He looked horrible at light heavyweight. Sorry. He really much. I love Darren, you know. Me too. Me too. He's literally 10 minutes away from my house, but I got to call it as I see it. Yeah, me too. I like I felt bad like discussing it because I really like him, friend of the show. He's he's really cool. He's funny, family guy. So yeah. but like I said, I hope he goes back, watches tape, and he fixes things. I just don't think he's found his groove. And when he does and he, he fights to his strengths and his boxing, he'll be all right. Oh, one hundred percent. So before we move away from the prelims, you got one more you want to chat I- about? Absolutely. I could go two more, but I'm going to just not run my mouth. Shout out to Evloev. I picked you. I love your chain wrestling and y'all need to watch out for Evloev. That's my man. That's my prelim man. I found him on the prelims, Mike. Anyway, <laughs> Drew, Drew Dober and Brad Riddell need a, need a shout out. I love the fact that Drew Dober came out with some fire under his ass, dropped Brad Riddell, and Brad Riddell was like, hold up. Let me make some adjustments. Let me start slipping these punches. That was the only thing defensively I saw between the two. And thank you, fellas. All they tried to do was slip each other's punches or use their face 
as a shield. It was beautiful. It was so yeah. much fun. Yeah. But Brad Riddell, back to Brad, he regained his composure, made proper adjustments, and he started to land the harder shots. Like his shots had me like, oh, and Drew Dover was head was snapping back. And then I felt like the momentum shift occurred. And I agree with the decision, a unanimous decision for Brad Riddell. I feel like he survived, made adjustments and started to land the harder shots. But Drew Dober was game. I want these men to get a bonus. And I wish I could hug them both for entertaining me last night. Like this fight was so awesome. Man, there were so many notables, as I say, on the on the prelims and you're right this is a this is definitely a worthy one to comment on because yeah. man this was a war i love the exchanges i love the fact that each man was kind of like yeah you thought that yeah. huh? well here's it take some more exactly and then just everybody was wobbling at some point oh he's hurt oh he's on front oh he's backing up now he's hurt now and it went back and forth back and forth and the judges got it right brad hit him a little bit harder was slipping a bit more punches than drew so Great fight. Great fight. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of judges, they weren't needed when we got to the start of the main card. Paul Craig took on our man. Oh, uh, my God. Friend of the show, Jamal Hill. Um, he's been on a couple of times. And um, this, I have to say, was painful to watch. It was horrible to see. We know how this actually uh, played out. This wasn't how I thought things would go down. I, I personally thought that this would be a little bit of a war, considering they're having a war of words in the run-up to this, some of which um, you know that you'll be party to because I've uh, sent you the screenshots in terms of what went down in the DMs. But anyway, right? Craig ended up snapping. Actually, it was dislocating Jamal Hill's um, this guy, you have to give him the Soldier of the Year award because even though his arm was dislocated, actually, in the words of Paul Craig, Jamal Hill's arm was flopping about like a wet fish. He was still in the war. He was still in the fight. Yeah. And he was obviously in shock because when the referee eventually got around to doing his job, now, mm -hmm. shouts out to that referee. I, I, I think that, you know, Jamal and his boys might be coming to your house because how could you have missed that? It was plain for, as, the, as the nose on, on your face that, mm -hmm. you know, when you see someone's arm like flapping backwards and forwards, that's kind of like- a Yeah, stop. you call the fight. Yeah. Stop the fight. But you should stop the fight. That yeah. was horrible. That was horrible to see. What did you think? You, um, call me Karen is what I think. If I was Jamal Hill and his team, I would be complaining, going to the commission, whatnot. I would make a stink about that referee and I don't want to see him refereeing anymore. I'm on my damn couch and I see a broken arm from my couch and you tell me the man inside the cage didn't see that and let that go on. Are yeah. you kidding me, Mike? Yeah. Anyway, let's not let the ref ruin, you know, Craig's performance in Jamal's um, heart. Mm. Here's the thing. Jamal talked a lot of shit before the fight and I talked it right with him, Mike. Okay. I was on Twitter. I was like, yo, he from the hood. He like Masvidal. You don't, you know, Paul Craig better watch all that shit talking because Jamal keeps it real. And I really thought Jamal was going to just avoid the ground and knock Paul Craig out. So when he went to the ground with him, I was like, baby boy, what are you doing? And I knew right away that Craig wasn't going to let up because Paul Craig doesn't let go of limbs once he holds on to them. You're yeah. getting triangle choked or you're getting arm barred with the same arm he's been holding on to for three rounds. It's just what happens. And I was just devastated. I'm not a fan of Paul Craig and I didn't like the porch monkey shit. Jamal, you know, he, you know, he was on the show. And he's got some nice hands and I really wanted him to win. So F you, Paul Craig, I didn't want you to win. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Okay, moving on. I have to say that this was a shock outcome. Um, a lot of people are high on Damon Meyer, me included. I just have this romanticized view of him being the jujitsu master who kind of like twists people up. Now, to see Bilal Muhammad effectively hand him his walking papers wasn't on my bingo card. Um, shouts out to KGB. Facts. The card is hilarious and fun. Um, Mike, me and you both, what the hell were we thinking? We forgot that Damian Maya is old and past his prime and 43 yeah. years old. Yeah. I don't give a fuck how much jujitsu he's been doing and how long his career is. He's 43 motherfucking years old. You know what I mean? He probably gets tired at night. He probably needs a nap. He doesn't go out as much. He's in his forties. He's just a fighter. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I picked him to like snatch up one of his limbs, Bilal's limbs and put him to sleep. But the problem is his age, age, age. Mm. The takedowns are predictable. The takedowns are always singular. They're always that single leg. You know, he enjoys that. Like his wrestling was not on point, but I should have picked Bilal. He's younger. He's got the momentum. He's pissed off. He got poked in the eye by Leon. He's ready. You know, he wants to put this man down and he fought a smart fight. Yeah. I think how many did you see all those um sprawls and yeah, yeah. Many, oh beautiful beautiful but Damien yeah I don't is he retired Mike is he retiring now or is he getting one more I'd be very surprised I mean at his big age if he is going to be getting one more because really and truly this wasn't the vintage Damien Meyer that um in my romanticized memory we've come to know and love no, so I'd be Prize. If Dana, with his um, his, his 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 caustic look that he does cast a, a, across all divisions, doesn't cast his eye on uh, this welterweight and say, Damien, your time's up. Here's your pink slip. Because because think about it, Mike. If let's say Damien Maya went out there and choked a fan favorite in Bilal Muhammad, kind of like what he did with Rick Story and some other submissions we've seen him do. We've seen him choke the younger fighter out. Yeah. If he had done that. Dana can sell the next fight, which could be a retirement fight. Yeah. But with this performance with Bilal, how's he selling that? Thank how's you. he get, how's he, unless he puts it in Brazil and gives him somebody, you know, he's going to Python to death, but mm. I don't know if Dana's going to go that far. You know, he's all about making money. So it might be his last fight. Shaping <laughs> quickly on Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz. Now for me, this, I have to say, was a refreshing and a, and, and, a, and a welcome back to Leon Edwards. I saw some things in here that I hadn't seen ever from um, Leon Edwards. The trips, did you see those trips? Now, they were beautiful. They were lovely. I love the fact that, you know, he wasn't getting um, drawn into Nate Diaz's uh, shenanigans, as it were. He was taking oh, my God. his brother, you know, mm -hmm. Nate Diaz with the whole clowning thing. But, you know, this whole kind of like four rounds made me feel as though you rein me in if I'm being way out of order Oh, I, oh I'm going to rein you in. I'm ready to do it now, but go ahead. <laughs> Did he smoke before he took to the cage? Because that was somebody who wasn't taking this serious as far as I'm concerned. Yes, you could say that he was trying to trip him up in terms of luring him into um, whatever bear traps that he had. Yes, you could say that, you know, he was trying to throw Leon Edwards off because he obviously trained for a certain individual and it wasn't who turned up last night but it was weird to see that kind of like shenanigans that was going on last night until the fifth round it seemed like Nate Diaz woke up because he had him on stanky legs there was nobody that could tell me that if that had happened in the second or even the third round that Leon would still be standing he was obviously 
obviously troubled, bothered by those mm-hmm. blows. And um, props to Nate Diaz for being in the fight. I mean, really yeah, yeah. been resigned to the fact that one, those leg kicks were relentless. And oh, they so painful. But, you know, Leon controlled that fight from round one to four. It was just that in the closing stanzas of round five, Nate Diaz suddenly woke up. Okay, reel me in. Yeah, the, I'm going to reel you in because it's called bias. You know, <laughs> like you, you are from the UK and you want a UK champion and your best bet is Leon. I am a lifelong Diaz brother fan fanatic and I did not see the fight in the way in which you did. Here's what I saw. I saw Nate Diaz getting his leg kicked because he doesn't check leg kicks. Typical mm. Diaz brother tactic, which is just drives us all crazy. He was injured, Mike. That's why he started acting crazy. That's why he was like, you know what, what I'm going to do? I'm going to get in his head and I'm going to entertain these fans that love me. And that's what a Diaz brother does. They just start acting weird in the middle of the fucking ring. But <laughs> quiet is kept. That's called their poker face. His leg was shredded. It was yeah. done. And yeah. when your leg is shredded, Mike, what does that do? It fucks with your other weapons, your, your right cross, your jab. You cannot throw a proper punch and sit on punches if your right leg is hurting and you can't put pressure on it. So he Mm. had to go for the rope-a-dope, okadope, I'm with my hands on my hip, fuck you, motherfucker. He had to do that. And Leon is dangerous. So he had to keep the fight going for five rounds. And when he was capable of it, he turned it up in the fifth round. I don't think people are giving him enough credit on being injured and fighting. He was injured. That's why he did that. And I'm going to shit on your man real quick. Why? Oh, here I come. Here I come. You know where that injury came from? (laughs) <laughs> no 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 this is this, my man's but but hear hear me out yeah. hear me out leon edwards won 24 minutes of that whole fight and only really was hurt in the fifth round here's my issue with his performance he has to capitalize on these types of fights he cannot coast when he knows he's winning you're fighting nate diaz put on a fucking show if you want the title shot it's become quite obvious that leon's not getting a title shot until he puts somebody away yeah. And he cannot just coast like that, Mike. And I respect Leon because what I think Leon is doing is this. You can't deny me a, a title shot if I win 50 million fights in a row. But he doesn't have to go through that. He, like, what are you? He's not playing the game. And if he's not going to play the game, then I can no longer advocate for his title shot. Like, he kind of blew it. We are sitting here talking about Nate's performance more than his, and he won the fight. <laughs> what does that tell you? Come on, okay, Mike. You, know? you got me there. Yeah, it's, but hear me out too. Before this fight with Nate Diaz, because I'm a fucking Diaz stan, I was pro Leon. We've been on the show. I'm always like, give him the title shot, give him the title shot. Now that Dana is not really giving it to him until he forces his hand and makes him perform, Leon fucking perform. You know, like you put him out. They have to train him to like go for the knockout or that killer instinct. He can no longer coast, Mike. And I don't think he's getting a title shot. Do you? I would be shocked and surprised if Colby Covington doesn't get next. Thank you. That is what Dana has been trumpeting. That is what Colby Covington has been trumpeting. That's what sells. Agreed way in advance. So, and, you know, Covington is going to sell the hell out of that. Thank you. It's a, it's, that's why 
I just tweeted this. It's smart of Kobe to be a diva and be like, no, I beat Woodley title shot. He knows yeah. that this fight sells. He knows he's going to sell it and he's going to make money. And Dana likes making money. So of course they're going to go with Kobe. But here's the issue. Leon doesn't sell. Fans are turning on him. And Leon is proving to us that he does not want to take risk and perform. So what's going to happen? He'll have to fight Masvidal or the winner of Wonder Boy and Burns. And mm -hmm. we got to hear him like, okay, here we go again. But how many do I have to win in a row? You're not getting it, Leon. Knock someone out and you'll get your title shot. Facts. Someone who does get the art of finishing and finishing in spectacular fashion is uh, Bernardino. Figgy, where was Figgy last night? Davis and Figueredo. I have to say, I did not see that. I Neither did I. My bingo card, him being subbed <laughs> in the third round. How about you? Oh, I thought Figgy looked terrible. And I thought I saw it from the beginning. I was like, this ain't Figgy. He's not walking Brandon down. Mm. And not only is he not walking Brandon down, he doesn't have the same fervor. Like he's not keeping up with him. Like it's his energy doesn't match Brandon's. And you know, to beat Brandon, you got to stay in his face and go toe to toe. Yeah. And Figgy wasn't doing that. I even tweeted about it. And in my mentions, people were started to, you know, we had theories like in, in Twitter spaces too. Is it fucking like the weight cut? Is he drained? Is like, and here's another thing, just like Jamal Hill, this motherfucker talked big shit before the fight, Mike. <laughs> you heard that stuff he was saying? Yeah, yeah. And then he showed up tired, like he needed it, like he didn't take a nap for the fight or some shit. I don't know what happened, but shout out. Let's, you know, let's also focus on Brandon's performance. It looked like he studied tape, came uh, back, wasn't playing, mm. and came back and beat that man's ass. And I loved it. 100%. What do you reckon of Israel Adesanya and uh, Marvin Vittori obviously taking the main event spot? I didn't really like this fight, but I think um, Izzy won in clear fashion. It was just like a very predictable fight to me. Yeah. I knew that Izzy was going to win. I don't think Izzy has the power to put Marvin Vittori down. Yes, I said it. You can be an elusive striker and be a very good striker and not have power. You know, there's a difference between Izzy landing flush on someone's chin like Derek Brunson and, and, and stunning them when Marvin Vittori, he's a hell of a chin. You got to put that dog down. And Izzy didn't have it, but he won decisively. But yeah. I didn't really enjoy the fight. What do you think? Same. I mean, to be honest with you, I didn't learn anything new about yeah. either one. And in all honesty, this is how I knew it would actually play out. We Me know why we're seeing this. This is filler. This isn't thriller. And I think as well as that, um, I'm glad you 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 um, put a full stop and capital letter on it. Um, Marvin Vittori has got an incredible chin, and that for me was the kind of like highlight of all of this because Israel Adesanya was kind of putting in kind of like a perfunctory um, mm -hmm. performance. It wasn't anything which absolutely was the most spectacular thing. I think what kind of like entertained me the most was when when at the end um, it was Marvin Vittori kind of like wailing on his leg and like you know. Israel or Izzy kind of like faked um, kind of like massive amounts of pain mm. and that had me in stitches. But apart from that, this was kind of like standard fare. Anything that um, we get from this is that this was filler. This was it was it, it was intense sparring in the gym and Israel had the upper hand. That's <laughs> what I thought, you know, and. Marvin, we didn't really see anything new. And we also saw something that we knew was going to happen. When he fought Holland, Holland was popping him left and right. Izzy yeah. was doing that too. And also too, Marvin Vittori, yes, he's a good wrestler. He can take you down and he's a brute. But there's absolutely nothing with it. 
<laughs> so back to the drawing board for him. And I'm glad I was just kind of becoming a little tired of the rabies and the growling and the barking. Like that's just not really a champion that I wanted to see sit at the throne. He really irritating it. to, yeah. Like I don't want to hear, I don't want the champion acting like he's on peds or a fucking, you know, the berserker mode all the time. Like relax, <laughs> you know, is he's a better champion, you know, in interviews and also as a fighter. So I'm happy Marvin's going to the back of the line. And Mike, one, I just want to kind of fight with you over Leon again. Let's go back to Leon. Leon was fucking sparring, Mike. Go talk yeah. to him. Yeah. Don't you have, but, like, come on, man. But, but <laughs> let's, let's, let's not kind of like forget. Look, Nate Diaz is a he won. threat. And yeah. as we showed um, in round five, um, that approach worked. Because imagine, imagine if he'd gone in there for some kind of war, what retaliation he would got. I think the game plan was well played and yeah. we have to uh, acknowledge that, you know, yeah. Leon did show us some new things as well. He I, fought well. I, I, liked, I liked his approach and I liked his Yeah. Approach. I'm going to reel myself in, Mike. I, I'm, I'm with you, Mike, but I'm a, I need you to reel in too. Here's the thing. Yeah. I thought Leon fought really well. I'm going to, I have to admit that as even though we're talking more about Nate's performance, Leon was winning. He was the, like that elbow was scary. He looked good. He yeah. looked like he needs to fight for a title. But Mike, tell me your thoughts on Nate Diaz. Like for real, for real, you thought all that shit was weird. And don't you think that shit was entertaining and that he like he's there to fight? You know what I mean? Like what exactly. you think of the entertainment exactly. aspect? But that's just it. He's there to fight. So fight. At the end of the day, I get that he is a showman. I get right. that he is there. Um, I suppose. To Do you get the appeal? No, I, I thought it was part of like the offsetting nature of what he was doing in that mm. Leonel was actually prepared for somebody who was going to do something completely different and Nate Diaz outfoxed him. And I, I, I liked the inventiveness is what I'm grasping for. Yeah. I didn't like it in that I expected to see vintage Nate Diaz and that was a little bit of a letdown from that point of view. But he showed up for one round and that one round was a spectacular one. So small yeah. mercies and all that, but no, not overly impressed with Nate Diaz. And um, I really have to keep going back to the fact that I was impressed with Leon because I learned some things and saw some things and was shown some things that I'd not seen before from did him. You, that, that did you, did you also learn that Usman is going to beat the brakes off him and he's not going to be champ? Like, um, <laughs> let's not speak too soon. Let's not <laughs> because who knows what's going to happen with Covington and Usman. It might be. Oh, uh, come on. Basis, but facts are facts. With that performance, given how, um, well, how dominant and how ferocious we've seen uh, Usman, I, I think that we're going to see him hand handle that um, next bout uh, with with ease. And um, yeah, I was just going to say Usman, who is actually going to be facing Leon further down the line once yeah. he has an emphatic victory and once he has satisfied Dana. I think he breaks um, Kobe's jaw for real, for real, and puts him out in this oh, fight. One hundred percent. And I cannot wait. And then he fights. But I think then he should fight um, Leon Edwards. But the whole Wonder Boy and Burns thing might mess that up, too. I think they're yeah. going to play some games with Leon. So we got to wait and see how this pans out. Hmm. Speaking of pans out, that was the last um, thing on the docket in terms of all the promotions that we were going to be discussing and talking points. So that about wraps up this episode of the Wocast. 
as usual, we'll be back uh, midweek with the rest of the gang with Shots Fine, that's Chisanga and Kairos. Until then, stay safe.